Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kid and Tell, a podcast about kids in the hall. Yeah, we'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like sexy Mozart listening party. And should we do a midlife career change and make this yes. po- a podcast about scotch? Always. Kalina. Always. <laughs> I'm Trevor Record, and I'm joined by Kalina McCordoff in London, England. I'm drunk as a crow. <laughs> Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. We could go fishing. And Stu Derricotic in Vancouver, Canada. Now, this part of the podcast is actually very personal to me, so if you could all just step outside for 20 to 45 minutes. So today we'll be reviewing episode 18 of season 4, which aired on May 4th, 1994. For those of you that tune in to just find out what day the... Uh, you're welcome! You can, you can tune out. You're welcome! <laughs> Congratulations, been, the rest is just filler from here on out. Hans has been actively dissociating about how we don't have specificity on the dates for a while. Yes. So I Hans, assume he's... Hans was like, so mad every time, and like he filled in, in, in my show notes, the date. I yes, think, I did. Because I didn't fill it in. And I, I, it's one of those things where, like, the more the rest of us say it doesn't matter and no one cares, the more Hans doubles down on that it does matter and everyone cares. <laughs> if we know, we should tell That's people. That's our Hansy boy. If you see something, say uh, something. Exactly, yeah. What are you, a terrorist? I mean, so you are a let's terrorist. move on to our, our sketch rundown for the episode. So first was... Uh, a prostitute segment. Are you a transvestite? Um, the prostitutes are back, and uh, boy, I hope we can skip just doing it. Does this hold up this week? Uh, Mozart, uh, Daryl is back, and he's on a date, uh, and he's super into Mozart. How did he beg he Bruce? Very... That's what I don't understand. Bruce whoa, is a total whoa, whoa. fox in this yeah. one. This is the sexiest Bruce we've seen. Oh, I don't know about that. She, I don't know about that. Whoa, 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 whoa! Because he played the pop star, all right, and she is just Tammy, damn yeah. sexy. But also, he played uh, he played the girlfriend who's trying to break up with the boyfriend and like coming to collect her stuff, and they're like trying to one up each other, and but then they are like giving each other sexy eyes the whole time. That was a good. That was a good looking Bruce. It was a sexy Bruce. Did Bruce shave his legs for this one, or is that just tight? Very nice pantyhose at the very least. It was good pantyhose. <laughs> I'm just we'll, saying. We'll probably by by the end of of season five have to do a rundown of of sexiest mm. drag for each yeah. of each yes, of yes, the yes. kids. Uh, uh, once we've seen them all. Uh, yeah. So that the, anyhow, next segment: movie star. Uh, the prostitutes just talk about what movie or TV stars they like to pretend to be when they're on the. I know job. you keep calling them the prostitutes, but like they're just more they're the hookers. They're hookers. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the difference really, between a, a prostitute. Whoa, and a whoa, whoa. It's not. It's not the difference between a prostitute and a hooker. It's the. It's the name of them. They are the hookers. They are the hookers. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. He was trying to be a little Based bit more. Get with the program, really? Trevor. Where does, <coughs> I think where does it say s- that they have to be called the hookers? Kissfan.org, <laughs> which no longer exists, but who we still consider the authority on such <laughs> matters. So like, a, a website that isn't <laughs> being paid for anymore. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think. Down. I, look, if we, look, let's do a quick. I'm doing a YouTube search. YouTube. <laughs> it no longer exists. It's in the hall. Yeah, hookers. The DC spookies. area punk band that's our number one fan knows what I'm or talking about. Or some people about. say <laughs> it is it's the whores, but I mean like yeah. hookers is always the best. Whoa. No, no, no. Spicy. 
Bad girls. Okay, uh, next segment, uh, Quarter Life Crisis. Yeah. Uh, Dave plays a successful lawyer who quits his job to pursue his childhood dream of being a fireman. A, a private fireman. He's not fire just like a fire. Yeah, he's, he's like a fireman for hire. So he's <laughs> Affordable <laughs> rates, you know, more uh, affordable yeah. apparently than just paying your taxes. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then we've got uh, Buddy Cole in Cemetery, uh, yes. where he reminisces about a friend. And he's he sort of dressed like El- Elvira, Mistress of the Night. I right? was thinking he looked like Bride bit. of Frankenstein a little bit. Yeah, I think that was more Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. It was a good match. He's got the really plunging V-like kind of dress thing going oh, on. No, Although he did have a cape, which I found very striking. A very I thought good he was. I, I, at first, I wasn't sure it was going to be a buddy sketch. I thought it was just going to be a gay vampire sketch. But then one one day we'll have difference? to corner Scott Thompson <laughs> hey. in a bar and ask him if he's more into Bride of Frankenstein or Elvira, mm. Mistress of the Night. I and he'll, he'll tell us that we're idiots for not knowing that already. And yeah. then, well, he'll know. He'll recognize. It's Elvira, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our heroes a... exist now only to settle our internal bets. <laughs> Scott, come on the show who... and settle our squabbles. Come on now. It's 2020. Kevin. Who is standing for Bride of Frankenstein over Elvira? <laughs> at this point? Elvira, I should say, is still gorgeous. She's like what an yes. elderly woman, and she's still like just stunning. Yeah. Elvira, if you ever want to come on the show, <laughs> you could be our fifth guest. Like, I think uh, her name is Samantha in real life. I don't know. She rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, official take of the podcast. <laughs> Elvira rules. <laughs> We're getting badges. Yeah. All right. Uh, has Elvira done anything in like she was four a guest days? judge? She was a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, not so long ago. Oh yes, oh, yeah, nice. that's true. She, I think she recently came out as like. Uh, queer and has been dating a woman mm, for like 19 that years. Right. Amazing. And it's just like, yeah, she's really, really private because men have been gross to her for all of her oh, career. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next, the next segment we had was uh, the next sketch we had was drunk as a crow. Um, it's just, yeah, it, Bruce is talking to his friend. Is it a sketch? That's the real question. Is it? It's just a, cu- a couple of guys talking, and one of them is real drunk. It's Kevin. I feel like this was just an overheard conversation while they were doing one of their road shows, and they just transcribed it and then made it a sketch. I've I've had this conversation with every one of my co-hosts, both as the drunk <laughs> one and as the sober one. <laughs> uh, Not wrong. And finally, we have uh, Advantage, where Kevin ponders whether he should use his celebrity status to his advantage. Um, and his, like, kind of inner id that's encouraging him to ab- abuse his power is... is it's Elvis! It's do. Elvis! Do we know... Oh, yeah, it is Elvis, yeah. It's not, like... It actually, is! Yeah, he no, says it Elvis! Is. Then he cries yeah, out for Elvis. Yeah. Oh, he does. Okay, no, no, but the actor. No, no, the actor. <laughs> no, Elvis was definitely <laughs> dead by then. Elvis was dead. I used to do a kid <laughs> in the hall. Do, do we have the kids a, in the hall? Did not have the pull. Is... Kevin does not have enough celebrity advantage to get Elvis out of the guest on their show. Well, Elvis was also and dead. Also, he was. Or so they'd like you to. There's, believe. there's always time travel. <laughs> yes, Terrell. Well. Uh, so I'm gonna mix things up uh, this week because usually we end with standout sketch. But I feel like this this is like a solid B plus where there's like a, a lot of argument to be made for any of the, the segments of this episode to be the standout sketch. So I want to start with standout sketch. And I want to start with Kalina. What's your standout sketch 
Uh, well, I would like to disagree with you, and I think this is a shit episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, right. Oh wow! So, yeah. what, what was yeah. your worst? What was your worst sketch then? Worst. Um, you know, I know I always like love Daryl. That was pretty shit, but like drunk as a crow was pretty bad. There was just like no punchline. He falls asleep on the phone when he's drunk. I mean, who hasn't done that? Like, I you know, I also yeah. considered it the weaker sketch of the episode but Stu said he liked it no okay yeah. so I, I think it's probably Stu the just weakest. woke up though <laughs> no shut up you're not supposed to call me out like that <laughs> I trusted you you got um, called out for Scott as being the always hungover guy yeah that, made, that one hurt a little just bit just chugging milk a oh, whole oh, lot of milk look I don't think it's the best of this episode i think it almost certainly is the worst other than maybe one of the hooker sketches but i was like i didn't hate it as much as you guys did because i i very much saw it as comedy in kind of an older style like it felt like a george burns sketch of like the repetition and the kind of back and forth Mm -hmm. of like a really dumb character and then a kind of snarky character like felt very vaudeville to me um and again, I don't love it because I think it is a little trite and a little repetitive, but it was neat to see Bruce do a different voice because he did this like transatlantic accent that we've never really seen before. Mm. Um, and we don't usually see him paired with Kevin and we don't usually see Bruce playing things so straight and so safe. Like I said, like that's a very classic back and forth banter duo kind of dynamic. And I was like, oh, this is tame. neat to see you uh, see stretch your wings. It is still boring, though. <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, and Kalina is saying it's the worst sketch. Well, what would what would you say is the best sketch then, Kalina? It's it's Buddy in the cemetery. That was oh, great. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. my god. Okay, we've Explain. already like spent half of the sketch rundown like talking about it. It was great. I thought like there were so many just throwaway lines. Uh, finishing it off with talking about like that that Charles Raymond, his friend, found biblical support for bondage. He's like, yeah, every second page. Or the, you know, talking about how he'd made a cock ring out of the aluminum from cigarette packets <laughs> and become a conductor for, like, transatlantic radio. He could pick up radio so stations from as far away as Amarillo, Texas. Well, you've <laughs> yeah. got to listen to something yeah. when you're down there. Oh, that's great. I just great. felt like in an otherwise, like, quite tame set of sketches that this one just, like, stood out and excited me phrasing yeah i mean scott is a fantastic writer i think is one of the things i keep coming back to is when he gets to write his own material he gets so many punchlines and he's so irreverent especially for the time right oh yeah it is really good i'm especially delighted by how much he writes this and he's like that the persona that scott often plays of like hyper effeminate you know very stereotypically what would be perceived as gay uh, is absolutely not who he is. He's like closer to the AT and Love guy. He's just kind of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, well, I, I think he's a very strong writer. Yeah. So, Stu, yeah, if, if this yeah. is not the standout sketch, though, which one is in your mind? I really like Quarter Life Crisis. Honestly, I think like the premise is quite funny. I love the way that Dave runs excitedly up to the front door, flings his briefcase across this like across the set. It's just like, honey. It was a it was a strong start to the sketch, yeah. Just hucking a briefcase. Yeah, I wish the that Kevin got a little bit more of a laugh there. I think he does a good job holding it together as the straight man, beleaguered wife. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but like I don't know. A lot of it rides on just Dave's like 
undying enthusiasm, which is I, I always think is really funny to watch, and like I just think it's a it, funny concept. It's capturing something that's like very good and real as well. Like yeah. most of most of the kids in the hall is kind of capturing something that is very true and real, and in this case, it's like usually the the guy that that has made a career change in midlife as a part of a crisis is just like decided to open a hardware store or something yeah but this time it's like oh he's doing an essential service that's already paid for by taxes and instead oh, yeah. of just becoming an actual fireman he's trying to run it as a dumb small business <laughs> he's a boutique fire department <laughs> I, I really like bespoke fire farm, department. Far, farm to table fire department <laughs> i really like the uh, the sign off of that skit too, where it's like sketch. I keep saying sketch, uh, sketch too, because like I just like the way it's like you didn't buy a police cruise, did you? No, I'm getting arrested. And it's just like a stupid bubbly energy. He's like, I know a pretty good lawyer, and it just it feels like a like a stage freeze end of sitcom joke. It's just I don't know. It's it's a nice it's a nice feather in the cap at the end. I think we're gonna need to come back to this uh, segment and talk about it as as a, as a longer piece. But what would you give it as a score? Uh, for I for like crisis. Yeah, yeah. I would give it like a three point seven five. I don't know if that's super high no, for a standout. No, it's not. That's so generous. It's not a but strong, stand, strong but standouts, standouts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I, you know. I think Kevin or Kevin. I think Cat Trevor had it right with it's just sort of like most of the episodes are B plus. So to me, like when we have a strong episode, often there's like one A, one C minus, and then a couple of Bs and B minuses. Mm. And this one felt just sort of like consistently B and B plus, which is a surprise. Like it was just. Yeah, that consistency kind of threw me away because they're not a super consistent troupe, in my mind. A lot of the episodes are either like there's some real bangers and then there's some like real real stinkers and like well, so it just sort of chugged along. Like, I think I'd, I'd give them like a fairly good consistency compared to a lot of what else was on at the time. Yeah. Um, we're we're watching this series over you know like almost thirty years later. Um, and it still mostly holds up. Like if you were to watch Mad TV or oh um, SNL from this era, like most of it would not be landing as much as this is. I I would argue anyhow. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like a series that aged better. SNL um, at this specific point in time might have been doing pretty well because it would have been during the like Adam Sandler, uh, David Spade, like that those kinds of years. Yeah. So it actually might have been half decent, but uh, okay. Oh, but yeah, no, I hear you've you. got there's, there's... rose-tinted glasses of that being <laughs> what was in your childhood too. If we were actually going through it methodically, I'm trying to think of like maybe Mr. Show might be about as consistent, if not a little bit more so, um, but had less content. Too, well, it was, also, you know? yeah. it was also a fair bit later, too. But Three seasons of ten episodes yes. or something like that, right? Uh, yeah. Well, what, what would be your standout, though, Hans? Oh, um, I basically agree with Kalina on both counts. I thought, I <laughs> thought overall this episode didn't really do much for me. You know, you guys are saying it's a B-plus episode. I think it's like so a C bad. episode. Um, but, uh, and, and there were like, I think some fail sketches as far as I was concerned and drunk as a crow was, was the biggest failure. Mm. It just didn't, I, I never at any point really got a laugh out of it. So I gave it a one and a half out of five, but, um, I did, I did enjoy uh, quarter life crisis. Uh, and I actually gave it the same score as the cemetery, but I, I'm going to give cemetery my standout sketch just because, um, Yay. we, it always, uh, I always give like, 
a bonus point to a buddy sketch when he covers uh, subject matter that would just not have been in the public at the time. Like, it's one thing to mm-hmm. be like a gay person on television, like being, you know, uh, very open and out on on TV. That was already mm-hmm. pretty rare, especially in 94. This is like before Will and Grace, before any of that stuff. But then to yeah. then to have a whole segment where he's basically dressed as Alvira um, or Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and he's and he's doing essentially a eulogy to his leather slut friend, like and he's like, he, like that's expo- I mean nowadays I don't think we bat an eye at like you know people talking about leather daddies or anything like that, but in '94 mm-hmm. like that can't have had any cultural uh, exposure at that point, and he goes into extreme detail about this guy making all of his own bondage gear, making cock rings out of cigarette wrappers. Um, <laughs> Tapping about, his own leather. And, I, mean, I don't know if you caught this, but I mean, it was also very clear that uh, Charles Hammond uh, had had AIDS or HIV because it said it was better that he died this way on his way to the clinic getting hit by a bus, right? So, Ooh, um, yeah, so it's point. like, wow. I mean, this is, he is giving some visibility to a, a you know community within the gay community that would have had absolutely no exposure to straight people before that. And I give it like some severe bonus points he, for that. He made a couple comments where he's complaining about the gentrification of queerness yes, yeah. too, where he's like, oh, we're seeing a lot of upstanding gays <laughs> yeah, exactly. out there. Gross. But I like that. It's like, you know, he's like, here's a, you know, oh, gays are acceptable now. Uh, how, how do you like my friend Charles, who was a, uh, a leather slut and whose main thing was just like filleting <laughs> other men you know <laughs> like you know i actually have been thinking about that in recent years as queerness has not only become acceptable but marketable yeah. um and like i feel like there's a lot of a push for like no no we totally accept the gays as long as they get married and are just <laughs> yeah. really into fashion and home decorating yeah. and it's like yep that that's all there is that's all counterculture is about is about how you can sell more shit and uh, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. That's a good point, and I fucking love. Yeah, it. so I, I, I really like to push that boundary. I also there were just some phenomenal lines in this one. Like not everybody sketch has great one-liners too, but I loved where he was like, Charles was a sexual coureur de bois, whereas <laughs> I'm more of a Blanche Dubois. Which is <laughs> just, just like yeah. it's a very good buddy line, you know. Also, yeah, being a being a sexual Blanche Dubois is just a thing I have cannot fully unpack and I just love. <laughs> I'm also trying to imagine what a sexual coureur de bois, like coureur de bois is like a, a an old like French lager, isn't it? Right. So I think. <laughs> so. Oh, I, I just, I really love that. Hans is just sitting there with a whiteboard of insanity <laughs> being like, what parts the log? <laughs> <laughs> what parts the log? <laughs> I also love that one line, which was like, again, this sketch definitely felt like it was supposed to make the straights uncomfortable, but where he says, um, where he talks about like, you know, gays becoming respectable and he says, buddy, he'd say the world's so full of crap. Why bother wiping your ass? Which is just so crude. It's so crude. Um, Yeah. That's a nasty line. But I loved it. So I gave that one a a three and a half, but you know what? I'm going to give it the bonus point now. So I'll give it a, a four out of five. Very nice. Now, I I would say that I'm not disagreeing with you that I I didn't care for the um, drunk as a crow one. I mean, that that might be a a C sketch as well for me. But um, I agree that Quarter Life Crisis, I think, is the most interesting one. I'd also want to give standout sketch to something else just just for flavor, though. And I'm going to give it to Mozart. Mm -hmm. Um, What? 
I love Mozart. I think it's really good. It's <laughs> it's not bad. Get off the show. <laughs> what is, what is your problem with Mozart? If you don't mind me asking, Kalina. It's just there's so many good Darrell sketches. This one's like pretty weak. I don't know. I like this one because it, it's sort of much more real. Mm. Like the ones where he's hallucinating about Oompa bands is kind of going into the land of fantasy. Whereas Oompa! This yeah. <laughs> but, with, but like, I, if we're talking about like good Daryl sketches where he has a date, the one where he like brings her up to, to his room and then says he's going to get a nightgown from his mom. I mean, that like, you can't top that. So uh, I, feel I feel like this one cuts... I feel like this one cuts to the bone of bad dates in a way where... Probably all of us on this podcast have been on this date as either the the bad date or the other side. Yeah, I was I was going to chime in know? and say like this one feels yeah. the most realistic because I've probably been Daryl in this. You've been this guy a few times. I, I, before we started recording, I said uh, this is definitely Stu if you get him on Bloodhound Game. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it isn't. Uh, I have a good theory and nobody takes me seriously. <laughs> this is what it's like to be a genius in your own time. <laughs> I, I have been strapped down to the chair as, as Stu has commandeered the uh, playlist at few times. Forcing your ears open like clockwork orange. My point yeah. is that they are straight drag, and that is very mm. funny to me. Interesting, interesting. Tune in for bonus episodes. <laughs> Nobody listens. Leave. Stu, Stu Where you go on a yells. bad date with Stu as he, <laughs> <laughs> he listens to Blood Game. Yep. <laughs> So what do you uh, what do you give Mozart out of five then, uh, Trevor? And what did you like so much about it other than just was it just that uh, it feels realistic? Are you just being contrarian? No, yeah, I like I like I give it a four out of five. I think. Um, Are you, you know, fucking kidding me? <laughs> Dude, that's like that's like suggesting that this is gonna no, be this like, is, your standout sketches. This is the, this is the, the comedy of Daryl. Is like we've seen a very outrageous oh and God. cartoonish version of Daryl, and now like it's better even because he's dialing it back and he's like. That's right, audience. You could be Daryl. <laughs> you don't even... Hans, you specifically are, are admitting yes, yeah. you've been Daryl. There but yeah. for the I grace mean, of God go I, yes. One of the things that stood out to me about the Daryl sketch is how nice his apartment is. Maybe it's just because we're all impoverished because we yeah, live in the future where it didn't sucks. did he used to live with his mom? I yeah. was thinking he that did. too. I was but like, now, yeah, but now he has kind nice. of... He has kind of a hot little loft, and we only see the part of the date that's hilarious and breaking down. But I can imagine, like, you get in there, you're like, yeah, he's got a gross little ponytail, but he's got some good leather chairs. He's got a book or something. Like, yeah, maybe this could work out. And then the date might composing. have been going sort of okay, but then you got him on the difference between uh, mushrooms that are grown in farms and mushrooms <laughs> that are foraged. Yes. And suddenly he's showing you his collection of foraging knives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say, it did look like they had some nice wine. So I agree with you, Stu. I could see you coming into the space and be like, oh, he's got good wine. He seems to have some good taste, yeah. you know? Um, this could go somewhere. And then, accident, and then suddenly, yeah, you're, you're discussing the finer points of, like, bridge design. Oh, I also loved the bit about, like, are we going to be listening to music all night? <laughs> well, yes, it's it is party. a party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if, I can, if I can drag uh, my, myself or Kalina about this, I think there was a period, Kalina, where we were basically Daryl, but with Kids in the Hall, <laughs> yes. where we were forcing people to watch Kids in the Hall I like in a lot of situations. I like that you're suggesting that this, like, was historical. Was historical. Like, I'm not, not, I'm not kidding you. I drove... 
We drove back from uh, my, my partner's parents' house today, stopped off in Bristol, had a pub lunch with a friend, and somehow ended up like on a 15-minute tangent about why Kids in the Hall is so great. And yes, some, send him, like, somehow, Kalina. Sketches. <laughs> I, I am doing God's work. <laughs> yes. This podcast, before it was a podcast, was that Kalina was trying to come up with a list of 10 sketches that she would show people who had never experienced kids in the hall to, to try and convert them. them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if that isn't a drill move, I don't know what is. <laughs> I stopped at people's houses on their doorstep and said, may I please speak to you about our Lord? About our Lord, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald. <laughs> Are we going to keep on watching sketches from kids in the hall all night? Well, it is a party. <laughs> it is a party. <laughs> but that's, actually, that's how we started this project, is we were all drunk on, on, uh, yeah. on Pender. Yeah. And it was just, there's a photo of me curled up in the fetal position as the rest of you are excitedly watching mm. on, a, on a laptop on a couch. I do uh, feel like Kids in the Hall would stories. make a really good background TV show for like a bar or a party. You know, like even if the audio is cut out, just because mm. there's good like physical comedy and stuff. You know how like some bars when they're trying to be cool will put on like the, three, like the three stooges yeah. or something in the background, you know? So I wanted to move on just to talk about the other other B plus sketches that we all agreed were B plus sketches, and the ones that come to mind are first off quarter life crisis. Yeah. Um, and what, what I what I really specifically loved about this one was just like the moment at the start where you hear like something has been delivered, and Dave's so excited and. His wife has no idea anything, (laughs) and he's running outside like an excited little boy, and it's just like an entire fucking fire truck. (laughs) I like that before the fire truck even shows up, he's so excited, he accidentally, like, slams the door on his wife's face, you know? Because he's just a little boy, and he can't contain himself. I, I couldn't help wonder, like, how did the kids manage to get so many fire trucks for this episode? (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't just buy fucking fire trucks. Did they just get a deal with the Toronto Fire Department? The municipality of Toronto just loves them some kids in the hall. They were like, oh, it's snowing. You don't need to worry about fires today. Yeah. (laughs) That's what Toronto people sound like for everyone listening. That's exactly what they sound like. Yeah. People that are American and listen to this don't understand that People from Toronto don't know how to pronounce their own city. Toronto. Toronto. They call it Chirana. Like they, they say it with a C H. Chirana. Chirana. Yeah. Um, also, and also, everyone on the coast fucking hates them because yeah, yeah. they're pretentious. Well, pretty much everyone not in Toronto hates Toronto. Um, yeah. The okay. One, one other thing we're, we're I just want to say. From Vancouver's too, so well, I don't know if we have any position. Can we can we just briefly talk about how, for whatever reason, this sketch appears to be called quarter life crisis, but that's definitely not a quarter life crisis. Like if he's partner yeah, he's at a law firm, he's got gray yeah. hair. That's that's a midlife crisis for sure. I, I didn't understand why it was called quarter life crisis. Is this maybe just uh, liberty that they took on uh, Kith fan again? It could very well be. Yeah, probably. Damn yeah. you, defunct website for your lack of accuracy in sketch titles. I, w- I will say for like how little I, mean, I really cared about this sketch, the the one bit that I did write down was where she says to him, like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, like every kid, you know, he's like, oh, I really dreamt of, of being a, a fireman when I was a kid. And she's like, yeah, so did every kid. And he's like, but never do anything about it. <laughs> and they're like, they joined the fire department. <laughs> uh, Kalina, why did you hate it so much? I don't understand. Like, I can understand not loving it, but I don't understand how you could hate it. It's hilarious. I don't know. I just, I just, I think, 
You're just a contrarian. That's what it is. You're no, like, I, 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 feel I like listen I to metal music. This recently, and <laughs> it just came up on YouTube, and I, I don't know. It, it was it was fine. And you it watched it with like, me, and you laughed. Oh, yeah. That's yes, what yes. happened. I, I don't I don't even remember this one actually. This one yeah, when we watched it was new to me. It was new to me too. I didn't remember it at all. I don't know. I think that's why also the buddy one stood out so much to me is because like you went from like two hooker sketches, which were like fine. They didn't have like fantastic punchlines. Mm -hmm. yeah. The real one for me was like quite tame. This one was tame. It was a day one that was like well-rounded kind of as a sketch. Like I felt like it ticked the boxes for construction, but in terms of ha like having the, the kids in the hall spirit of like kind of being weird and kind of dark. It's like those are the things that are are speaking to Kalina. Me so it's just it's just a bit bland. Do you agree that this this sketch would have been a more kids in the hall sketch if uh, Dave had actually gone to try and fight some fires, but had been like just really bad at it, and so kept coming home with like grievous burns on him and stuff like that. And then, like, yeah, oh, yes. yeah, I, I, you know, I think I got a better handle on it this time. Next time will be better, and he just keeps getting more grievously, grievously injured. You know, that would have felt like a more. Mm -hmm. What's our next segment where we all just explain to the kids <laughs> how, how comedy works? <laughs> sketch yeah. comedy from thirty years ago could be rewritten to be better. I want some skin wounds and I want some missing limbs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The engineer from Prince Rupert has some ideas about how you could be funnier. <laughs> yeah, guys. Um, there, I will say there is one bit that I, I mean, I, I liked the sketch. I, I disagree with Kalina that it's not strong at all. But I, the one that I also really liked about the sketch was when uh, Kevin asks uh, how he paid for the fire engine, and he says, "Well, I used our savings, and I mortgaged the house." <laughs> And she just like faints and then he picks her up and he's like, this is a fireman carry. And he's like so excited to have picked up his fainting wife. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So uh, the other one I wanted to talk about uh, was uh, Kevin's advantage. I'm, I'll call this segment the rural Kevin advantage. <laughs> yeah. It's an excellent uh, <laughs> segment title, by the way. Yeah. Uh, where I, I was like, oh, this is definitely just about what's going on for Kevin personally. But rather than being about self-loathing, it's like, is Kevin feeling ready to accept his new celebrity and narcissistically take advantage of it? Um, <laughs> also, we, we know that like his id, like in this sketch, is, is uh, Elvis confirming to us like definitively that like Kevin considers himself a rockabilly he's always been a closet rockabilly yeah, yeah. he's just yeah. too much of a coward to let it out no i wish that we saw the version of kevin where he dresses like a rockabilly and kind of like has a betty page looking girlfriend and stuff yeah i wish that he would be that open with the world so yeah. you know it's a very good point trevor in that you've mentioned before that we that you figure kevin's inner inner person <laughs> is like a rockabilly person and it occurs to me we've only had what like maybe two maybe three sketches where kevin's been a rockabilly person but we've all generally yeah. enjoyed those sketches and it really does feel like that's that's kevin's superhero version of himself like image of himself but he's, oh. he's he just lacks confidence so profoundly that he he doesn't actually allow himself to do that bit like at all practically yeah. you know um but kevin recognizes like himself devoid of his neuroses yeah that exactly are holding yeah. him back would just be a rockabilly yeah. that's kind of like yeah 
I mean, maybe it's because he doesn't want to expose that like rockabilly id to like you know wait 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 laughs and things. But do do we do we? I agree that like <clears throat> I see his rockabilly as his like you know ah fuck I want to say spirit animal but that's insulting but you know yeah. like his, his ideal like motivating self but do we and I I can see that I like that premise but I want to push back and going is that actually what I believe or is that just the only time Kevin has played a character that is not either a straight man or a neurotic Kevin mess because he doesn't really do out there characters very often at all that's a good point good point well, though I mean he does but they're usually characters that he does with Dave like the Nobody likes his guys, the yeah. sisters. Um, I, but I, I think that Kevin's probably well. He doesn't. You're right. He doesn't do a lot of confident characters, so that might be one of the only confident characters we've seen. Yeah. But when we do see him, we love that well, so I mean. much. Yeah. Like, when he is confident, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. But I must say, like, it's not Simon, just Simon and Hecubus is an, an outlandish character that's sort yeah. of yeah. confident. But even that's true. Really Simon in that though. one is always like getting kind of thwarted by Hecubus. The better of him. Yeah, exactly. And the thing about this sketch that, like, was funny, (laughs) I mean, almost begrudgingly, was, like, the the moments where he's, like, getting to use his celebrity for his advantage but still is being undercut yes. like the waiter calling him calvin <laughs> <laughs> calvin mcleg mcleg like i forget what the first word like name he McClogley, used, but, it yeah. was, like, completely but also wrong it was great but also that the waiter loves him i love you i love you person whose name i can't remember love it <laughs> I accidentally, uh, this is a total aside, but uh, as I was making the gifts for one of our episodes recently, I always tag them with the kids that are in the sketches. And uh, to my great shame, I accidentally put in Bruce as Bruce McDonald on one of them. So, so, uh, you know, for all you you very, uh, you know, eagle-eyed Twitter followers, you can try and find which gif has has Bruce as Bruce McDonald by accident. By the way, everyone, Hans runs our Twitter account, which is why it's so cringe. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh. Please don't go on strike. <laughs> you know, uh, I've I've heard that the the teens have stopped using the word cringe and that saying cringe is cringe now. Good. We've gone to the point where they they look down on those that use the word cringe. Did you know? They look okay, down so on everything. You know how the crying laughing eyes emoji is supposed to like out you as a millennial and none of the kids use it anymore. Uh-huh. Using emojis generally. No, no, no. They still use an emoji, but what they use as an emoji for, like, I find that very, very funny. Do any of you would any of you like to know what that uh, what that emoji is? Is it the fucking Easter Island head? No, it's the skull. Oh, that's old. I also like saw. I don't know whether this is like a plant for people who are like, what are the kids saying now? <laughs> people were saying it was ch- like a, a chair. No, I so I like, apparently it's, like, it's a skull because you use a skull because. The slang, the no, Gen that's Z. Old, that's so old. No, no, no. Now. The Gen Z. So literally, old. my twelve-year-old yes. Gen Z ne- uh, niece was just telling me about this. Where, that's an ancient Gen where Z they child. Say, where they say, "There's a new generation." <laughs> I want to hear from the three-year-old. They say, "I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead," and that means it's like really funny. And so that's why yeah. they use the skull because yeah. it's like I'm dead. It's so funny. Yes. Yeah, but that's been a while. That's been a while going. Sure. Anyways, uh, as far as as far as Kevin's concerned. Uh, I just think that this this sketch felt like Kevin actually just showing us what his day-to-day actual life looks like and and wrestling with his own celebrity both being 
both being uncomfortable with it, but then also unsatisfied with the extent to which it will work for him and not being not helping him with ladies whatsoever. This all feels very true to me. And I love that. You know, I wonder mm, yes, yes, how, yes. how famous was Kevin at his height? Canadian famous. As, but like as famous as he would allow himself to be, let's be honest. Like, I, I would say this. When I, I told my parents that I, we were starting the, this podcast, they were like, oh, yeah, that show had the curly-haired guy that was on that episode of Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Oh, dang. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, like, um, I mean, I don't think he was quite at the Dave level, but he was the first guy that my dad thought of mm. from the troupe. And the reason he said he thought of him was because of Seinfeld, but that's still something. Well, I mean, when you think I of... I would still say a lot of people also know him from 70s show. Was he on 70s show? Yeah, that's right. He was a pastor later on. Oh, funny. Um, He's been in lots of stuff, actually. Uh, he was a voice actor for a ton of cartoons, too, like Invader Zim and stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, he was in uh, Lilo and Stitch, which I love. No kidding. Ah, yeah. Good, good for you, Kevin. Um, Should have had more confidence, you know? <laughs> you earned it. I, I don't think that anyone would have recognized him at a restaurant based on that, though. But I don't know. Like, if you were in an episode of Seinfeld back in the day, that was cash money. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's still living off that residual, I'm sure. All right. Well, that's it for our episode 18 <laughs> review. Join us next week for episode 19, which will be hosted by Hans. Yay. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at KittenHellPod. Weigh in on your favorite sketch and enjoy some delightful gifts. Thank you for listening to Kittenhell. Oh. Oh.